Reckless, what's up? Okay, I'll work with that, it's cool, it's cool. Like you said, my name is Christy and I'm on staff here at Westridge. And I'm proud to say that I have been here now for 13 years as of last week. And I started in student ministry. And as long as we're talking about Reckless, I'll have you know that I met my husband at Reckless, so you never know. Hey, hey. <laughs> I was much older than y'all. I was working on staff, and my husband was even older than that. But yes, we did meet at Reckless, so you just never know. Well, tonight, um, I want to revisit what Todd talked about two weeks ago, because it's been a minute. And he introduced us to this series called I got you. I got you, girl. I got you, boy. And um, that's, how, that's how I hear it anyways. And so last time he kind of set up this idea that your generation is one of the generations that truly craves authentic relationship. And you have lots of little relationships here and there. You're connected more on social media than any other generation that has went before you. And so you know a lot of people, but a lot of those are relationships don't have a ton of depth to them. And so you're looking for that and you're craving that. And I love that about you guys. And so um, I love the series title, I Got You, because that means that I have people in my corner. And whether you're super extroverted or you're super introverted, having somebody in your corner matters. You want somebody who knows you're around, that you are going through something um, that's just there for you. And so last week, Pastor Todd, or two weeks ago, Pastor Todd talked about how important like, for us to have these authentic biblical community that we would be united around mission. And so I'm going to take that to the next level and add on to that and talk about for us to have authentic biblical community that we would also sacrificially love, which basically just means that we would have each other's back and that we wouldn't leave anybody out. And so um, tonight, I'm going to try and show you a small piece of that in this little window of time that I have. I'm going to talk really fast and um, help us kind of understand what that looks like, what the definition of that looks like, what that looks like in the here and now. Also, God talks about love a ton. And so we need to perk our ears up to that and understand why is it that he mentions love so much. And there's a really beautiful picture that I want to show us very quickly in a story with he and the disciples that shows how much he honestly modeled that for us. So he's not just talking about it. He's modeled it for us. Um, and at the end of the night, I just want to give us a quick challenge and send you guys off in your groups the right way. So when I think of sacrificial love, it's this kind of idea that we're just not giving up on each other. I think that's a really easy way we all can understand. And I'm a simple girl, and I like it to, to just make sense a little bit easier. Describing sacrificial love can be tricky because we throw around the word love a lot, right? So we, if you in, the, in this room have a relationship with the Lord, you love God, and you have grown to love his word. But then we also are always like, oh, I love you, girl, or I love chocolate, I love Chick-fil-A fries. So it's very confusing because we're using this word love for lots of different things. So I want to boil it down to something that's really simple, and it helps us to understand this sacrificial love that we're reading about in the Bible. And that's the kind of love that we're seeing over and over and over again. Um, and so it's in a variety of ways. Okay, so but love with sacrifice. 
It's different. It's different than the way I feel about the Chick-fil-A fries, okay? Love with sacrifice means that it costs you something and that you don't get something in return. That's different. That's a sacrifice. It's easiest for me to describe a very specific kind of love that the Bible often refers to in order to help us understand this term. So stick with me and listen to this kind of love that we're talking about. The love that helps us understand this kind of love is called agape love. And you may have heard of that before. Agape love, this love isn't one of emotion, feelings, and familiarity, but one that is a choice. So think about that. It's something that you're choosing to do. You might not get recognition for it. Um, It just looks a little bit different. It is a sacrificial love that binds and is the kind of love that is found written in the scriptures over 200 times. So when I say that this is in the scriptures, it is in the scriptures a lot. And I'm not going to tell you about all 200 times, but I am going to go through a couple different verses here in just a little bit that helps you really understand how much we see this in the word. This kind of love, it involves faithfulness and commitment and sacrifice, but without expecting anything in return. And I saw one definition that said this, agape love is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. So where it is very easy for me to be selfish about something, this has nothing to do with that. It's only for the greater good of something, somebody else. So let me ask you a question. Does your biblical community, your group here at Reckless, does your group easily display a love of sacrifice? Think about that for a second. A love where no one feels like they are given up on. Think about that for a second. And how different would it be if your group was defined like that? Not only what Pastor Todd talked about two weeks ago, to have that unity, but also the sacrificial love where no one, where you're not giving up on anyone. So let me give you a really cool picture of the way Jesus shows us this love. So again, not just talking about it, but he's showing us through this story. And this example comes from John 13. And I'm just going to kind of bring us up to speed of where we're at in this story. We have this picture where the disciples have gathered with Jesus and they are about to have the Passover celebration. And Jesus' earthly ministry is coming to an end. And it's coming to a close. And so here we have Jesus and all of the disciples. In John 13, 1, it says this, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave his this world and returned to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he had loved them to the very end. And skipping down to verse four. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Now, just to like help us really understand, this is something that was really common Um, during this time. Think about the disciples. They have the sandals. They're walking all the places, and it's extremely dirty. So what Jesus was doing was the work of like the lowliest of servants. And quite honestly, the disciples are most likely stunned at what they're seeing him do. They're like, we're accustomed to this before dinner, but it isn't Jesus who's supposed to be doing this. It's supposed to be a servant, and at that, it's the lowliest of servants. And so here we have Jesus um, jumping in and doing this. You see, the disciples are very accustomed to washing of the feet, like I said, prior to a meal. That is, it was just a custom. Um, and, and they're just trying to catch up to the story, like what's going on? So 
Um, Again, chapter 13, now we're going to be in verse 12 to 15, and it says this. After washing their feet, and like really listen to this part. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. So when we're talking about this whole idea of authenticity, uh, that's about as real as it gets. Jesus was saying, I'm doing this because I need to show you that this is what you are to do. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And this is our example to follow. This isn't just like a story that we're reading in the Bible. This is actually an example. And um, I want to point out that it might not be the washing of the feet that God is going to be asking you to do in your authentic biblical community, which anybody in here not like into feet, I don't like other people's feet ever. They all should be getting pedicures every four weeks at least. That wouldn't, that's not my thing. And I mean, it's possible that that's something he could ask at one time, but what I'm saying is that it might be something that he is asking you to do that is really uncomfortable for you but it might be something that's showing that sacrificial love. It might be something that you are asked to do for somebody in this authentic biblical community that you have here at Reckless, that by doing so, not one person will know about. There's no recognition. It's not about self, but it's about another person. And it might be something that in doing so, you are considering someone so much more important than yourself. And think about what that could be, even in your exact setting right now, in your exact group that you're in here at Westridge. Living in authentic biblical community involves following the example of Jesus and loving just like he loved. It is in his example that we learn this. Where it is less about us and it is more about another. And I love that. So I'm going to do um, something where I just read verse after verse after verse, and it's going to be a good couple of verses, but it's going to show you how much we see this example of love and what God is calling us to in the scriptures. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, but anyone who, do, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Romans 12, 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In 1 Corinthians 13, this chapter is always known as the chapter about love. In verse 4 through 7, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Does not demand on its own, its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Do you see the theme after theme after theme? This has to be a really big deal to the Lord. Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. 
Okay, so this idea of loving well is a big deal. We can always learn what our responsibilities are and what we're being called to by studying what Jesus did and how he treated others. And for the sake of this conversation, how he loved others, right? Ultimately, I want us to understand this, that God is calling us to love, but not just calling, he is commanding us to love. And not love that we can so easily just throw around, but genuine sacrificial love where we never give up on one another and we often don't get something in return. A love that God asks us to be obedient to even when it's uncomfortable. And if we take him up on it, how much will he transform us? How much will he transform our groups? If we take him up on what Todd talked about two weeks ago, mixed with what I'm talking about tonight, mixed with what you're gonna talk about in the next two weeks. That's authentic biblical community and he's calling us to it. How much will that affect us being able to truly have that authentic biblical community? I wanna share with you a story really quick. When I moved to this area 13 years ago, I moved for the job at Westridge. I knew one of the pastors here who also was from the area that I was from and he asked me to come and interview. And I had no desire whatsoever to live in the South because I thought that you were, you were hot all the time. Like there, there was not any other season. So I was like, I, I can't live where it's hot. And God eventually, you know, convicted me and I, and I interviewed and, you know, the rest is history. But when I came, I literally knew the one family. And so community for me has been everything. And so from the start of when I started here at Westridge coming in, and although I was on staff, I really didn't feel connected to anyone beyond those people that I worked with for a long time until I really bought in to this kind of community. And I want to encourage you because here at Reckless, there is a ton of weight. Most of the weight is put on groups. That's what we care about. That's what we want you guys to connect to. That's where you're going to find your deepest growth. And I want to share one quick little story about how we experienced community in a really special way. Um, just a few months ago, my husband um, has four children, and they're all in their 20s. And we got one of those uh, really dreaded phone calls that one of the kids had been in an accident. And the only thing that we knew is that she had been cut out of her car. And she was being taken to a hospital, although we didn't know what hospital. And so we were somewhere where my husband stepped out and went into like the atrium and took the phone call because he kept getting the same number calling him. And I just stayed put. And then he texted me to come out there. And I came out there and he was bawling. And I kind of yelled at him because I'm like, just say it. I, I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, just say it. And he let me know that um, Libby had been in an accident and we didn't know very much. So we just got in the car and we drove towards hospitals. Um, we drove in the right direction. And in the meantime, the only thing we knew to do was call the people who were our people because our families, they don't live here. And so our community is even next level for us in, in that way. And in a moment, we had people. And the story ends up good. And Libby was fine. She's eight months pregnant. So she ended up having her baby a few weeks early. But in one moment, we had all of our people be our people. And they showed up and they text and they call and they did all of the things. 
And that's one just little glimmer of just community as a whole. Nothing they did was super sacrificial. It's just what they knew. And so my excitement for you to really understand this at your age, because I didn't understand this, like I hope you guys are understanding this at your age. It took me a while to understand what community is. And then for you guys to be able to be called to community in this special way, um, I want you to buy into it. It is worth it, and it's worth it to understand it at your age. Um, I want to, as we start wrapping up tonight, um, read you something. I had read earlier that 1 Corinthians 13, 3 through 7 passage, but I was reading it in a couple different translations. And I said earlier, I'm a simple girl. I like it just to be said real simple. So the message made it simple for me, and I want to share this part of it with you. Starting in verse 3, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force into itself on others isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That's the kind of picture I need to understand of what this love is. And I'm going to end with this. When I was really little, I... Um, kind of did this thing. Do any of you guys have like a personality trait that you have at your age now, but you totally had it when like you were two or three and your parents have all the stories? So sassy right here. Um, got sent to my room for rolling my eyes, like all my nonverbals, all that kind of stuff. So when I was little and I had something to say, I would run over to my dad and I would place my hands on his head and I would twist his head to me and I would say, dad, look in my eyes. I have something to say. So tonight, I'm not going to be touching your faces. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not a touchy person. But reckless, look into my eyes. I have something to say for you tonight. You are a generation that is authentic. You're looking for authenticity. And I have a really, really good word for you. Our God, he is the most authentic God. He is the most real. He wants your attention and he wants your affection and he wants true, authentic relationship with you. He designed this idea of community. This isn't something we've come up with in the church. This is something that he came up with. Living in community was his idea. Living out sacrificial love his idea. And so we're going to mix those things together. At Reckless, we put most of our weight in small groups. And so this idea of I got you is everything. I got you is catchy and fun to say, but its meaning is deep. And the actions it requires are often challenging, but it is worth it to you. If it means having authentic biblical community, having sacrificial love, the kind that means you never give up on one another, isn't the example of Jesus enough to say, yes, I want that? 
So tonight in your groups, when you guys go to your groups in just a bit, that is what I want you to tackle together, believing that at your age, this biblical community is worth going for. It's worth being united for, like Pastor Todd shared two weeks ago, and it is worth this idea of sacrificial love and never giving up on one another. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for what you are doing here at Reckless. God, I am so thankful that at this age, in high school, you are calling these students to what you are calling them to, God. I pray that they would take you at your word, that they would read your word day in and day out and get to know it. God, that they would just follow suit in what it says and that they wouldn't be afraid to share of the love that you are and invite people into it, God. You've made us for community. You made us to be united. You made us to lock arms together, to be for each other, to be united in mission, and to love each other in a way where we never give up on one another. Thank you for what you're doing here tonight, God. It is special, and I pray that these kids in this room, these students, take it oh so seriously. And we give this night to you. We give our time and groups to you. In your name we pray. Amen.